Welcome, my friends, uh, to Rendezvous with myself and yourself, and potentially, have you? are you sure there's not someone behind you, like, also joining the party? Maybe just take a cheeky look over your shoulder, you know? Not trying to f freak you out, but it's possible. There could be someone just, you know, eavesdropping, dropping some eaves, or not, dropping some Adam and eaves. So, uh, we're going to begin with a little music. Just to be living with my eyes to the door Oh, my nose to the floor And who would I be 
If I was a perfect man I wouldn't be me I'm the one who tries to understand Tries to make a plan Tries to do it right When he knows it's At the end of the day A mixture of birth and decay Oh, blacks and whites, sweet and sour, straight and curved Man and angel and devil unheard Talking from the sidelines on my shoulder with curses Lessons from above to unfurl the purse strings of the Lord Or the dead of the devil make me invested where I will Very nice. A tasty mix of uh, this and that. Uh, you know, what more could you want, right? So, not like I'm complimenting my own song, but ah, I enjoyed that. That was nice. All right. So, today um, I propose uh, to talk about the to a topic you may be aware aware of, you may be awake to the existence of this phenomenon. Um, you may not be. You may have heard it mentioned and w kind of wondered what people meant. What are you talking about? I don't really get it. Um, that was my position. Of course, I had no idea about it for, for a long time. And then I first encountered these kind of words, I didn't really understand it. What words? We'll get to that. I'm just reeling you in, um, slash setting the context. Um, so we are talking about uh, awakening, spiritual awakening, also known as enlightenment, liberation, salvation, um, oxmenolation, Last one I made up, okay. But um, spiritual realization, also called uh, self-actualization, um, many names for it. The best name is this. Hey, he didn't say a name. Exactly. To cut to the chase, the essence of awakening, again, I'm a sleepy man, I'm doing my best to awaken. I am not there. I have moments of this experience, which is why I feel compelled, uh, well, uh, excited to talk about it from my measly level. And I'll probably look back in 10 years and be like, whoa, crazy. He's like, 
trying to talk about being awake and he's like asleep. Um, but uh, uh, easy on the tangents, Jamie. Okay. So um, the essence of awakening is one of the core essence. Uh, I suppose the practically speaking, the essence, as far as I can tell, in my experience, is to stop thinking but still be awake. Right. So if you were like me, you probably have been thinking or used to think or still think um, the highest state of intelligence, consciousness, um, know, knowledge, knowing what's happening, sobriety, sanity is thinking. That's how we know. That's what's, that's how we're superior to animals, their intelligence, isn't it? Well, actually, no, as far as I can tell. Again, I'm a student, uh, definitely a student of all this stuff. So I'll probably make a bunch of mistakes during this podcast. But I think this is a good thing to remember for all of life is you don't need to be perfect. You just need to be good enough that, you know, three steps forward, two steps back, right? And so if, if I can share something which triggers curiosity and people and maybe helps them see things a different way, then hey, hallelujah, sweet. Um, but uh, take everything with a, you know, a salt mine of salt, uh, everything I say. So the highest state of intelligence or sanity or perception or accurate alignment of your mind with reality is to step outside of thinking. The voice in your head, which is basically always talking, and for good reason, right? This has got us through evolution, problem solving. The humans who whose minds weren't as chatty didn't, you know, do as well, it seems, basically. However, um, these days, a lot of it is unnecessary. That's a we'll talk about that in a bit. But um, but the important point is that if you have uh, someone who's trying to understand the nature of the universe, or you your, yourself, whether it's an expert, some scientist, or whether it's you yourself, just you know uh, laying on a trampoline looking at the stars or whatever, uh, trying to understand things, the highest state of intelligence is kind of. It's like you're going full circle from the animal that has no thinking, but it's just present. It's just witnessing, right? It's like a, an empty space. It's like the film on which the movie is playing or the screen, right? Or it is the empty page, which is needed for all the black inky words to be appearing on, right? You're like, oh, it's just the page. Ah, you don't pay attention to the page when you're reading. You pay attention to the words. Um, but where, where would the words be without the page, right? And that is somewhat akin to consciousness. Um, and awakening is basically, spoiler alert, it's basically realizing that you are consciousness, that you are real. This buried subconscious fear of like putting two and two together from like materialist scientism and a lot of, you know, modern education. Huh. So, wait, do I even exist? Oh, don't think about that. Uh, what's on Netflix? Well, if you have the, you know, inclination or perhaps the courage to look into it, 
you might indeed conclude, oh, I don't exist. And in a way that would be true. There is a, a certain sense of self which I believe does not exist. It's an illusion. But deeper than that, uncork the champagne, you do exist. You have always existed. Um, and we're going to talk about the nature of this self that truly does exist. The self that doesn't really exist, but it's like an act, a character we can have fun with and explore, and the self that does exist. And I'm going to give reasons why I think, you know, uh, you know, some from other people, but some which I've just thought of while I've been manically pouring over this for, a, you know, oh, not too long, just a few, I don't know, years. Um, so, yes, so the the you are that consciousness. This is the true self, this empty page, but um, on upon which, or the, the screen, uh, the empty you know, canvas upon which the painting is being painted or whatever. So we'll get into that in a bit, but um, but the point of awakening is you you're coming full circle, right? So you've gone from being an animal to in increasing intellect and understanding, which is amazing. It's a, a gift. I love poetry. I love stories. I love books. I love essays, right? Um, I love hearing politicians, uh, you know, dodge questions. Oh, dodge questions. Well, actually, not maybe that part of intellect. Yeah, you know, it's not as interesting, but um, but. God bless them. It's got a place. It keeps the movie rolling, right? Um, so uh, we all have our place in this beautiful, perfect picture, this play of history. Um, so you go from the animal to the merely, I don't know, normal current state of hu humans, most humans, right? Um, my current state most of the time, where you are thinking, 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 right? But then... You can come full circle but where you go to thoughtlessness, but it's not like when you get drunk and you're, you fall down and now you're back to the animal. You can't think straight, but you're at a lower level of consciousness. It's like a spiral. You're doing the circle. From one point of view, there's no difference. You're just back to not thinking. But from another point of view, you have gone upwards in a spiral, right? So you're actually at a higher level in this other dimension. From one point of view, it's just a circle. Another point of view, it's a spiral. So that could be a metaphor for awakening. You are able to choose to stop thinking, but you are still here. You still know what's happening. And you can digest your thoughts more, more deeply. And that leads to deeper thoughts. And you can have two thoughts together, maybe one thought which is very strong, but false and bullshit. Pardon my French. Désolé pour le français, mais c'est une langue très belle, alors... Um, so, but pardon the French, definitely shouldn't have spoken this. Um, uh, <laughs> okay. Um, so we are able to step outside of a thought and compare different thoughts and by seeing them rather than just being the thought and thinking it's you, um, oh, let's go get some food. That's just my, my will expressing itself, is it? Hmm, interesting. I would actually say that is a thought, a voice, running through your mind. And you are not it. It's like someone in your, you've got an entourage. You, you know, you imagine you're wearing some really cool jacket. You're walking down the street. You've got like a posse of cool cats behind you. Not literal cats, you know, cool human beings walking around behind you. Do, do, do. One of them's like, hey, let's get some hot dogs. The other's like, let's go dancing. You're like, oh yeah. These are your thoughts, right? Um, 
some of them are better uh, ideas, some are worse. But but uh, in your own experience, if you can um, meditate properly, even just once, you will start kind of have this feeling of an emptiness, which some people get spooked by because they think, oh no, God, this is it. This is proof that there's nothing to me. I'm an illusion. And they run away from it. But actually, no, no, that emptiness is a fullness, yin and yang, infinity and nothingness, right? Uh, glass half empty, glass half full. It's it's a, just like say the ocean looks like it's empty, maybe, but it's actually full of this stuff called water, right? Your consciousness is a sort of emptiness, and I don't know what it is, right? I'm just some talking monkey, but trying to understand it, and it's very interesting and rewarding and practically very useful, even for some serious businessman who just wants to get stuff done and you know make money if you paid attention to esoteric disciplines of like spiritual awakening and this kind of stuff uh you would be better at everything you do it's the root of all success as far as i can tell which is why i chose it for number seven uh which is the magical number so all glory to uh sweet consciousness and the awakening from the dream of the lower level of consciousness so so basically, um, awakening is coming to being able to step outside thinking and just exist. Just be here now as Ramdas, uh, Richard Alpert, Ramdas, um, had that famous book, Be Here Now. Good advice, right? Um, after all, it's the only place, the only time. Everything else is an abstraction in your mind, which is very useful for getting stuff done. However, when it gets supercharged to the point of the year 2022 AD, AD 2022, should I say, uh, then it can get out of hand and cause problems. Um, speaking of problems, just trying to call me here. Oh, ah, they'll be all right. So, let's, uh, oh, one moment, every everybody. Mark McGlue is joining. Hey, hey, Mark, how are you doing? Uh, I'm uh, doing a podcast. Do you want, do you want, oh, very good. Do you want to say hello to whoever's listening? <laughs> uh, absolutely. Very good. Um, shall I guess the topic? Okay, let's see. Absolutely, please guess the topic. Yeah. Oh, do you want, yeah, I'll, I'll show you. Here we go. Now you're on camera. <laughs> what a powerful mustache. Yeah, Mark Fisher. Um, how are you? Oh, everybody else. Hello as well. But you're not actually in the future yet. Well, the question is, is time just a circle, James? Maybe it's all the same thing? Could be a circle. I'm going to say... Could be a dot. Sorry? The subject, the subject could be time, but no, you don't react... I'll give you, shall I give you a clue? Yeah, okay. It's number seven. Number seven, eh? Hmm. That doesn't ring any bells for me. I'm going to say... Hmm. I'm going to lucky numbers. Not lucky numbers, no. Time was very close. Okay, well, I'm going to say magic then. Basically, more or less, yes. Uh, awakening. Yeah. Spiritual yeah. awakening. Uh, time good. magic there you go um so i better get back to the good people of the the future 
so I'll talk to you tomorrow. Sounds Is that good. okay? By which I mean now, but you know, not now now. You know what I mean? Of course. Like yeah. the, the, the eternal present, the perpetual present, the eternal now is going to have some transformations of objects. The space is going to be identical and then we're going to link up. Does that sound reasonable? Yeah. Synchronized watches, I'll see you then. Slash now. I'm so confused. Sounds good. Perfect. All right. Enjoy awakening. You too. Much love. Peace. <laughs> okay. Now, my apologies for the interruption, ladies and gentlemen, um, by my dear brother, Marcus. Uh, so hopefully that could be heard adequately. I don't have to, or worst case scenario, I can edit it into some sort of magical semblance of pleasant audio experience. So um, yes, indeed. So where were we? Uh, awakening, right? So you might be confused and well to address this you might think like does this even exist that you can step outside of thinking what does that even mean like you're moving your legs no it's a metaphor meaning i could say hop outside jump outside roll outside uh be outside shift outside what or even just not use the word outside but just have a change of perspective um however if you imagine the white page and then the words, imagine you're reading and you're just aware of the words, then go try this, right? You read, read the words, and then try to read whilst being vaguely, at least, aware of the white page behind the words. You can be aware of that also, can you not? While, and you'll have less awareness for the words at first I think you'll find you'll actually grow your awareness probably because you're probably tapping into pure consciousness by doing this. I should try this. Um, so in a similar way, this is what we're talking about. Um, how and why to learn to be able to experience life not just through thoughts and thinking and the voice in your head, but to be able to have a sense of space around your thoughts and at first it seems like you're kind of creating that space. Um, well, I don't know, maybe it's different for everyone. But it really seems like essentially we are that space. Um, you are, and so we won't get too ahead of it in terms of like who we are. We'll, I've got to try to keep this uh, somewhat orderly. Um, so, yeah, okay. So basically, let's get started. All right, so in this treasure hunt for the, the Holy Grail. Basically, what, in my humble opinion, I really believe what we're talking about here, uh, it's something that is in all of us. It's in good people and bad people. It's in people of every race, um, uh, religion, whatever, creed, uh, philosophy, doesn't matter. Um, it is the spirit of life, and that is who you are. And the universe is not dead. The universe is alive and you are the universe. You are not in the universe, you are the universe. If you think about it, you know, what my body, I end at my skin and then the air begins. But wait a minute, my body is made of, if you go down, all the organs and everything and all the elements and the chemicals, it's all made of protons, electrons, and neutrons, just in different configurations, like oxygen versus carbon versus iron 
these different elements are just literally, they're all made of the same three things, protons, electrons, neutrons, but just different um, numbers of protons and neutrons in the nucleus with a cloud of electrons around it. So literally, that's the only difference between, um, you know, the periodic table, it's just different numbers of how many protons and neutrons you have in there, right? Um, so all the, the oxygen and the nitrogen that's all around me in this gas and then my body, it's all made of the same stuff. So it's almost like, okay, let's um, take a, I don't know, um, a bunch of chocolate, okay? And this, these are big, we have big chunks of chocolate, all right? We'll make, that's my, my body, right? Here we go, chocolate. And then all around the, that, the, this lump of big chunks of chocolate, you're gonna, put, you're gonna chop up and put tiny little bits of chocolate all around it. And you're gonna say, and that represents the air here. Um, we're gonna say, oh, it's, no, it's they're totally two totally different things. It's all the same material. It's just different um, structures. You've got the finely chopped up chocolate, flakes or whatever all around, and then you've got the chunks of chocolate which represent my body in a <laughs> strange metaphor. I hope you're following. Um, but in a, a similar way, our body and the environment is all made of the same stuff. You keep going in deeper and you get to, oh, it's all, even the protons, electrons, and neutrons, 99% of the area is just empty space. So, okay, so what's that? That's interesting. And then uh, we go even zooming into the parts that are objects, so to speak, forms, and they are made up of quarks and subatomic particles. And we zoom in on them and they get even, they're made of even smaller things. And again, 99% of them, even the electron or, or whatever, is like empty space. And so we just keep zooming in and it seems like in principle, uh, how could the universe be made of t more than one thing ultimately? And that is what physicists have been saying. It's all just energy, vibration, frequency, right? It's just this matter is a state of energy. I believe this is what they're saying. Um, that it's this, you've kind of, like you could have uh, waves in the ocean and that they are forms. Yeah, look, there's a wave. But it's also never stopped being the ocean, has it? Right? It, it could be that group of water could be 100 meters below the surface or it could be a wave above the surface. Um, it's still water. It's never left the oceans, right? Um, it's part of this mass that we call the water of Earth. So uh, you can have forms and it, it's separate. Yeah, the wave is separate to the ocean. Uh, that's useful if you want to surf. Well, I'm, why isn't it working? Oh, because you're on the wrong part of the ocean. You need to go over there. That thing called a wave. Oh, got it. Nice. Wicked gnar. Cheers, bro. And you go, you know, sail some gnarly right-handers, you know. But uh, so there's a, you know, useful to distinguish self and other. And I'm not saying we should all just forget our sense of individuality. Definitely not. What I'm talking about here is that when we can come to also understand our unity with life, then that's when you can have the real party and you can really explore your individuality without having to have the, the blinders on or having internal suffering and struggles for various reasons. I think that all comes down to this um, battling with illusions and um, I think when we can really connect uh, to that consciousness and be able to have that deeper sense of self of like, oh, we're just life, living this experience as a human then that's when, ironically, you get to be more of a human, you know. Uh, so it's kind of a funny, one of the many ironies of this universe. So, so yes. Um, 
So Buddhism, that would be probably the most um, well-known, I guess, in the West, probably, uh, way where this philosophy has been put forth. But, you know, we have the story, right, of um, Siddhartha Gautama, who was a prince in um, kind of northeast India, maybe modern-day Nepal. And um, he, uh, you know, he was having a good time. He was born into this the lap of luxury and he enjoyed it thoroughly and you know then eventually kind of and it, it seems like this is historical actually um uh but you know who knows exactly how much is um you know put into like okay this story will be useful for spreading the message or um maybe it's like a condensation of things who knows but it does seem like there's some historical basis to this so let's assume th that way um but uh, he, um, long story short, he gets bored of his palace behind the walls of, um, you know, his uh, secluded life. Uh, and he, he wants to go venture out into the world. And he encounters uh, a sick man. He encounters, uh, what else is it? Uh, sick man, something else, um, uh, you know, a, a dead man or a dying man. And a corpse, maybe that's it, sick, dying, and a corpse. Um, and uh, kind of goes, oh my God, right? What is this? I've never seen this before. He's been so sheltered from this. Um, and goes out and eventually tries to, he re realizes life is suffering, right? Everything ends in suffering. And, you know, what's the point of doing anything? It's all going to end in sickness or death. Like, and that can lead to nihilism, right? Like, what's the point of anything? And it might even lead to, oh, well... I may as well get as much pleasure and power and, you know, the thrill of status and, you know, kind of primate, press all the primate pleasure buttons possible um, in the meantime, before I die, you know? And I think that's where a lot of evil comes from. People just thinking, doesn't matter. I may as well get what I can get before I'm, you know, uh, put in the grave. Anyway, so, you know, um, he came to be called the, the Buddha, not Buddha, uh, not really his name, right? Like the Buddha means the awakened one or the enlightened one. And how he came to be called this, Siddhartha Gautama, is he goes basically, uh, make a long story short, he goes and becomes an ascetic in the, the forest. He, you know, basically starves himself. He just totally forsakes worldly goods and, you know, pleasures and stuff. And he's almost down to a skeleton. And eventually he kind of realizes, mm, yeah, he's getting, you know, if you, you know, fasting, you can, uh, Apparently, you can release endogenous DMT, which is a psych the strongest psychedelic uh, chemical there is, I believe. Um, so, and in general, just uh, fasting is a very good way to get into this state of consciousness um, uh, outside of thought. So, it definitely works to some extent. Um, so, he was doing his thing, whatever, but he came to conclude that um, there was a middle way, that something was kind of missing. And he goes and ends up, uh, you know... Um, eating some rice, all his friends are like, oh my God, Siddhartha's sold out to the, the rice bowl. Ugh. Anyway, he goes and sits under a tree and meditates and comes to a state of enlightenment, right? This is the story. And um, what he kind of concludes is, well, to put it simply, um, the basis of Buddhism is the four noble truths. So you have um, one, uh, life is suffering and People think, take that in a negative way sometimes, but it didn't mean um, that, you know, life is inherently suffering. 
it's just that normal human life is suffering, right? And you might not notice it. You might think, oh, this is fine, but think about it. How often do you feel truly, completely relaxed? And, you know, if you maybe, if you've had some contrast, it might make that, make you more aware of this. Like if, you know, you've taken some sort of uh, drug, whether it be alcohol or, you know, some, uh, whatever it is, MDMA or uh, whatever, anything that makes you feel good, um, and then you come back to earth, you know, you can feel that contrast very strongly, right? Um, or, you know, you spend a lot of time with your family and your friends, you're having a great time, and then you're thrown in back, you know, your holiday ends, you're back at work, maybe you're not enjoying your job, whatever, and you're back to that, you know, with that contrast, you can see so much of what we have as daily life is actually full of suffering, right? And uh, we're not at ease in our own skins so much of the time. Now, so that's noble truth one, uh, life is suffering. Two, I believe is like the, essentially, yeah, the cause of the suffering is um, a desire. I might get this a bit wrong, but it's something like um, basically attachment. So you, attachment to desire and um, attachment to, yeah, attachment to getting what you want and avoiding what you don't want, right? So that's, um, and you could also characterize that as a state of ignorance. That attachment is basically you don't understand who you are. You don't understand what you really want. What you really want is whatever you get. Um, and who you really are is just the, the consciousness in which all this is happening. So you're totally fine with whatever comes and goes. Uh, I can't control it. Okay. Just like Epictetus says, a manual for living. Great book. If I can't control it, it's not my responsibility. I just deal with it. If I can change it, oh, great. I'll change it. But so... But when we don't have that philosophy, when we have, uh, oh, we're trying to get this, we're trying to avoid that, um, this attachment to outcomes, it's you're hitting your head against a brick wall because you can't control external reality. So you're kind of let, hypnotizing yourself into thinking that you could, and then lo and behold, you can't, and oh, I didn't get what I wanted. How unpleasant. And rinse and repeat every second of your life. So the cause of suffering, noble truth number two, attachment. Um, to outcomes. Um, resistance. Eckhart Tolle would call it resistance. Um, well, that's one way he calls it. Resistance to the now. You're resisting life. You're not accepting what comes. Um, and again, accepting what, what ha comes in life doesn't mean you can't change the things that you can change. That's totally fine. Uh, in fact, um, you will have much more energy to change the things you can change if you stop resisting the inevitable things you can't change. Right? Um, so noble truth three, uh, suffering has an end. There is a, a way to end suffering. Um, and then noble truth four, I believe is like the, the steps, the, these eight steps to how to do it. Um, the noble eightfold path. I'm not going to go into all that, but, um, this is in a nutshell. Um, I think Buddhism is a, probably the, the world religion I resonate most with. Um, although I don't, you know, really... Um, uh, I wouldn't put myself down to any particular religion. I would just say, you know, um, I am a devotee of silence and wisdom and love, you know, and I do my best. And I think all there are many ways up the mountain. And um, I think all the world religions, they all have an esoteric school at their heart 
which is basically saying the same thing as Buddhism, which is uh, there is a way out of suffering, um, and it involves kind of accepting life um, and uh, ultimately becoming aware of your oneness. But Buddhism is very practical. It's kind of uh, like Zen Buddhism, especially, in that uh, the the you know they would ask the Buddha, "Oh, tell us about God," and he would just smile at them, which was probably saying that ah, God is silence. Look, get into silence. You will know what I'm talking about. Or potentially he was just saying, "Yeah, one thing at a time." All right, like first, you know, you can end suffering by becoming aware that you are attached to outcomes that are outside your control. Stop doing that. Just, oh, I'm going to give a speech and I'm nervous. You can't control how the people react, so why should you? Oh, that's a good point. But it takes a lot of time, just like learning a language, just like learning guitar, just like anything. Uh, intellectual understanding isn't enough. It takes a certain amount, in general, I think it takes a certain amount of repetition and practice to build up the synaptic pathways and perhaps on some higher dimension, you know, spiritual pathways or whatever, um, or karma, where you can, um, yeah, just finally say, okay, yeah, I'm altering the course. I'm going this way. Um, and stop resisting what you can't control and uh, start um, only directing your free will at your rightful field of uh, dominion, which is whatever you can do, right? Um without hurting others, of course, without preventing others from having the same right. So now, okay, so that would be Buddhism, right? A, a basic overall uh, look at that. So, yeah, so you know, the Buddha defined enlightenment as the, the end of suffering. So very simple, right? So it's not like, oh, you see sunbeams and, you know, all this. No, just, you know, suffering, you know that thing? Uh, one sec. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I feel that all the time. Right, the end of that. Whoa, cool. So what's what's it like? You tell me. Do this, this, this. Come back to me when you've done it. Oh, uh, but could you just give me a little hint? No. <laughs> Basically, that's what that was all about. Um, some, you know, and so some other esoteric uh, schools of religions. I mean, within Christianity, the original meth message of Jesus, uh, if he was a real person, I don't know. Um, but, uh, you know... I'll leave that aside, but um, the message of the, the words of Jesus, um, I will confess to not having read a huge amount of them, but a lot of, I have read a, some of it, and it's really beautiful, I find. Like, a lot of it's very deep. And again, very analogous to Buddhism, or what Aldous Huxley would call the perennial philosophy. Perennial meaning, meaning timeless, eternal. And Aldous Huxley basically pointed this out, like, maybe he wasn't the first, I'm not sure, but that... Uh, all these world religions um, at their core have this same philosophy, which is uh, something along the lines of we are all one, we're all connected, um, thus love, truth, um, uh, wisdom, that kind of stuff is, is all, uh, you know, treating each other, act unto others as you would have them act unto you, treat, uh, do as you would be done by, right? Um, which the Buddha said, um, and which is, you know, uh, Jesus said, right? Um, you have Sufism in Islam, Suf Sufism, Sufism. Um, they do the dancing. So there, I believe, the more kind of philosophical version of uh, Islam um, and more in line with, say, 
you know, Buddhism. Uh, you have Advaita Vedanta in Hinduism. I don't really remember what they're all about. I remember learning, you know, it's all kind of similar-ish about, you know, transcending this lower sense of self, unifying with the universe. Consci you're already unified with the universe, but becoming consciously aware of who you are. Um, and uh, sort of awakening from this dream. You have uh, yeah, many schools of Buddhism, the Zen Buddhism. Buddhism, I mean, you have people calling themselves Buddhists in Burma who are like, you know, committing genocide against Muslims. And uh, I believe that's not too heavy, too blunt a statement. I, maybe it's not happening now, the, but the Rodinga, I'm not sure what's still happening there. But, you know, so you can go by something in name. Buddhism says violence is, you know, prohibited. You, you shouldn't use violence. I would say... Personally, I think you um, you have the right to use violence in self-defense. Um, but uh, that would be my personal point of view. I'm not a pacifist. I'd be a pacifist up until the point of when, you know, you need to protect your yourself. And I think everyone has the right to do that. Protect your family, protect, you know, yourself. But um, Buddhism basically says no violence. Violence is bad. Don't do it, right? Um, so you have people there who are, you know, doing terrible things in Burma. Okay, they're not real Buddhists, right? Or if, okay, they can call themselves Buddhists, but that's not, they're not using the same, the word Buddhist in their context isn't pointing at the same thing that it, um, when I say Buddhist, I'm pointing at, right? So we use it, we've got two different internal dictionaries here. So um, just to, and, and Christianity, of course, Catholic Church, the Inquisition, terrible things have been done in the name of Christianity. Um, Islam, of course, many terrible things have been done in the name of Islam. Um, Hinduism, same thing. I mean, Hindu mobs killing Muslims and stuff. All kinds of bad stuff. Basically, every religion can be used to do this, but that doesn't mean that at the core of them, they don't have a, a sane seed, which was then misinterpreted or corrupted or, you know. I think often what seems to happen through time is someone appears, someone who's a bit wiser than the rest. Just think of nature, the way everything works. There's always one flower which is a bit brighter than the others. There's always one tree which is a bit taller or a bit stronger, right? There's always, you know, one Kobe Bryant or whatever, you know, who's like a bit better than everyone else. So it seems like you've your general baseline level of consciousness in the society or the civilization, and then you're going to get these little rare little flowers who appear, and they are nourished by the collective. They are part of the collective. They wouldn't exist but for the normal lives of the collective. And so it's not like they're better than them. It's, in fact, they are them, but they are just an outgrowth um, which is allowed to be lifted up into a higher level above the clouds to see what's actually going on. Um, and uh, these people sometimes won't talk. They just, you know, emanate their vibrations or they just exist the way they are. But often they were called upon to talk. Um, and I suppose they are called upon to talk. And they, they try to sh share what they're, um, you know, experiencing to help other people and to help raise the vibration of the, the society by which, I mean, literally, your vibrations, you can feel your, when you start to exit your mind and feel your body, you literally can feel vibrations in your body and the frequency increases um, the more attention you put into your body. So I literally, I mean, literally your vibration seems to be increasing. I'm no scientist, but this seems to be what's happening. Um, but also in a more figurative sense, just like, uh, I mean, um, in increasing the consciousness, um, becoming wiser, um, less, you know, um, animalistic to each other and more conscious and rationality based um and kindness based um and perceiving harmony trying to work not just for my own benefit 
my own little self, but for the big self of our community, identifying yourself with the collective as well as the individual. Um, so um, you have these people, these seers or sages or prophets, sometimes they're called, right? Um, holy people, right? Um, spiritual teachers, whatever. Um, magicians, maybe they were called, I don't know. Um, but they would, you know, give their message and then it would uplift a, a lot of people and increase the amount of harmony in the society and help, you know, uh, minimize suffering and crime and murder and rape and all these terrible atrocities that come part and parcel of existence as half animal, half angel, being kind of halfway to heaven, like humans are, right? Like a kind of this powerful logic, which I guess gets so many of us so down that we are aware that it's wrong, but we do it anyway. I do that. I do things where I'm like, not, not like really bad things, but um, certain things where you shouldn't do that. Oh, but I kind of want to, but don't. Oh, whoops, too late. You know, what is that? Like, um, th that's not good, right? But somehow it seems like there's a lack of consciousness to notice that that's not actually really serving me, that's serving some sort of parasite um, that I think is me, um, a psychic parasite, um, you call the ego or whatever, or addiction, addictive tendencies. So anyway, point being, uh, <laughs> um, you know, I've been on a tangent when I say point being, right? Okay, um, so these sages tell their story, try to teach people and uplift people, and people get um, are uplifted. However, then the sage dies, and there's this momentum of this injection of conscious energy into the ecosystem and the, the snowballing cascade of flows of cause and effect that we call history. And that energy gradually comes down to earth more and more, it seems, and gets integrated into the, ma the main baseline vibration or tendency or perspective of the culture. And so it'll be maybe the main line gets drawn towards that more spiritual element, but the spiritual element also gets drawn down towards the main, the baseline, right? And so you get, even if there wasn't, and there is corruption, but even if there wasn't this um, corruption of people trying to abuse power, etc., and, you know, put on their wizard robes and pretend that they're a messenger from God and try to, you know, and just have 10 wives and cause mayhem and cause problems and control people. We all know that this happens. It's still happening. Um, apart from that, even if it's purely good intentions, which I think most people have, um, these people, by definition, they are not the sage. They're not, they are the followers, right? They're doing their best, but inevitably, they can't fully understand it. Otherwise, they would be that person, right? So, but there's just, not everyone is that rare flower, right? So inevitably, the process involves gradual misinterpretation. And you might think that's, oh, what's the point? It would be better off if they never spoke in the first place. And, you know, maybe, perhaps there could be some truth to that. Um, but I would say, intuitively, it makes more sense to me that this is a rinse and repeat thing. It's like, um, this is a process, uh, the seasons to in everything, in nature. And so there are seasons of um, awareness. And so a culture experiences um, this up uplifting, this upliftment or whatever, this enlightenment. Um, but then it kind of fades and then another one comes and three steps forward, two steps back, three, you know, two steps forward, one step back, whatever. So that seems to be a thing. And um, it's happened all over the world. But with Buddhism, it happened um, 
it seems, and uh, Zen Buddhism, I think, as far as I understand, would be the, if you're looking to get into Buddhism, I don't know, I don't know enough, but maybe check out Zen, which is where it went through Taoism in China, Buddhism spread, kind of combined with Taoism, you know, the yin-yang symbol um, from Taoism, um, and uh, which is all, yeah, and went, then from there moved to Japan and became Zen Buddhism, um, which is kind of a return to basics of Buddhism. Like, okay, we're getting too into the words. Let's get back into the, you know, and they would use little riddles and stuff. I think like, what's the sound of one hand clapping or something, that kind of stuff, you know? It's like a koan, like a little riddle designed to stop your mind. Like, I don't get it. And, oh, lo and behold, you're in the silence, right? Um, Taoism, also very interesting, but kind of, I guess what I understand, which isn't too much, like it's like the yin-yang balance, how everything is a flux of opposites and that this is inherent in the universe and necessary and good and bad are mutually reinforcing and um, complementary. So, you know, the complementary nature of opposites, but um, slightly different subject. Now, so for me, though, I would say the probably the, the, mo the spiritual teacher who... Uh, resonates the most with me and who I have found the most benefit from in terms of kind of raising my own level of awareness and becoming more grounded and aware of what's actually happening, um, able to suffer less and um, kind of share myself more with the world, be, share myself more with myself, be more aware of who I am and what I want. Um, the, my main guru for want of a better word, I, I probably wouldn't use that word actually, but my main um, inspiration or a teacher, so to speak, um, would be Eckhart Tolle or Eckhart Tolle. Um, Tolle, I think maybe is the German way, I don't know. Anyway, The Power of Now is, is his most famous book, probably. He also has um, A New Earth and some other books. Um, a New Earth is a bit more talking about, it goes into the, the depths of what we're talking about and Awakening. Um, very good book. But it also talks about kind of the effect of transforming the world and how this is basically the challenge of history is uh, we can make this um, shift of consciousness and that's going to have many very, very positive effects just in time while, perhaps just in time, I don't know, um, as there's all this chaos unfolding in the world due to the expansion of our powers of intellect. Um, so a rebalancing. But um, the power of now, I would say, if you're going to read one, I would start there. That's incredibly powerful book uh and a very nowful book also uh yeah so i read that i guess i was 17 and a friend shout out to luke steer Woo! let's hear it for luke steer everybody <laughs> love that guy um who was like we're talking about some stuff he's like yeah man have you ever read uh this book the power of now i think it'd be right up your alley i was like oh cool check it out i read it and blew my mind like whoa uh so some basic Snippets from there, which I, I want to share, because I would say if you want to start, although I began with Buddhism, just to kind of give a background of the connection in religions to the, the context of this thing of awakening and how it's not a new thing, I would say for, for our time, if you want to really get something which uh, is going to help you understand what we're talking about and actually implement it, I would go with the power of now um, as a very practical way to do that. Uh, so... And yeah, it's amazing. I mean, uh, I got there's one little story, I guess. Well, maybe I shouldn't tell it. If just let you read it, but um, there's there's some uh, 
kind of thing at the beginning where he's talking about, um, you know, going past an old man on the street and the old man's like, uh, oh, could you spare some change? And the, the stranger says like, maybe it's not an old man, but whatever. The stranger says, oh, I have nothing to give you. And the, the beggar says like, oh, okay. And then, you know, the stranger says, but, but what are you sitting on? What's that box you're sitting on? Oh, this old thing? Says the, the beggar. Oh, I don't know. I never looked in there. It's just, I've been sitting on this thing for years. And the stranger says, oh, why don't you open it up? See what's in there. Well, I guess so, right? And, you know, the beggar, he stands up and opens the box. And to his utter astonishment, it's full of treasure. And uh, Eckhart begins by saying, you know, you are that beggar and I am that stranger. Um, in this book, I'm going to introduce you to the treasure which is inside your own self that you've been overlooking. Um, sorry if I butchered that there, Eckhart. Um, but uh, I think it's quite powerful. Um, so I'd welcome you to check out the treasure within. So um, a few things from this. Basically, uh, I want to go through my understanding of it briefly. Um, uh, such a powerful book. One, you are not your mind. I think that would be the opening chapter. You are not your mind. Right? So your mind, your th the thinker, um, that's, it's part of you. It's part of the organism. But are you your hand? Your hand can get chopped off and you're still here. So were you the hand? No. Right? Uh, are you your clothes? Or you always have clothes on. Right? Well, not always. But uh, is are you your clothes? No. Right? Um Am I my hair? I get it shaved and I'm still here. Oh, that's interesting. So, and your body changes uh, over, I think, 10 years. Is like, Your cells are dying and being reproduced all the time. And I think the longest part of the, the part of the body which takes the longest is the bones, I think. And that, I believe, takes 10 years or so for the cells to be totally replaced. So the body I had, you know, 10 years ago, there's nothing of it here anymore, right? So you gradually change. So you think, oh, you know, I'm the body, you know, it's still me. But no, not, none of that's still here anymore. It's a totally different vessel I'm in here now. So that's not you, not the body. The mind is also slowly, constantly changing, right? Like your opinions and your perspectives and blah, blah, blah. So that's one thing I, I mentioned. That's not, I don't think that's in um, Power of Now, but it's just something I've thought about. But, um, you know, we, we can be very attached to our mind. We think it's us. But, you know, in 10 years, our mind's probably going to be quite different. We might, our, the current mind, we might consider an outsider or a, and other, like, oh, that's not me. That's that's crazy, you know? Um, but Eckhart's basically saying, look, you're not your mind. Um, you can watch your mind, right? What is my what is my mind thinking? Tigers? Well, me too. That's weird. Cool. Um, or whatever. Whatever you're thinking. How can you know what you're thinking? If you're watching your mind, how could you be your mind? Right? Your mind watches itself. That seems plausible, right? You go, oh, yeah, maybe it's just there's a thing and it's capable of thinking and of witnessing. It's got two things it can do. But I would invite you to pay a bit more attention. And there's a, a cool thing, a uh, really cool thing in, in the book where it's like, I won't spoil this one, um, but more or less it's it's a, a way where you invite, uh, you're invited to pay kind of close attention and you realize that when you're paying very close attention, the thoughts disappear. No thoughts come, right? Um, and uh, so you can experience this 
silence and this lack of thoughts, but you're still here. You're still awake. And um, I remember when that happened to me, I was really shocked. Uh, and it seems like all the colors of the world rushed at me when I was like, uh, I did this you know, little exercise. And it's like, you know, basically, what's the next thought going to be coming to my head? And you're waiting for it. Nothing comes. You've got too much attention, focus there. So you've got this vibration of pure consciousness. No thoughts come. You're just here. And then suddenly I realized, oh, all these, the world. I hadn't been paying attention to all the things, all the visuals. I've just been seeing the world through labels, through words. And um, it was real amazing to go, oh, I'm the thing in front of this. I'm always talking about the microphone, but it's made of metal, which I know is made of, you know, like these elements and molecules. There's plastic. There's the camera. Uh, there's the light of my own, you know, face in the screen here. Um, there's Ramses, the statue. There's all this stuff and it's physical and I'm looking at it and it's physically here and it's not just in my head, right? It's like, uh, let's interesting conversation but but you can f suddenly have an experience of the physicality of the present moment that there are physical objects around you and you're literally seeing them and there's just the space of the air in between you and it and so often we have it as like, oh that's just a thing and you know that's a cable that's a cup but just look at it without thinking if you can learn to do this um, one way to do that would be pay attention to your breath or your body while looking just look straight at it and pay it, be careful to try and not get lost in the thoughts. It takes practice, but you'll start to see the miracle of like, oh my God, this mysterious presence of all this stuff. Um, anyway, so that would be part of it. But in a nutshell, uh, the power of now is saying, yes, um, we, are we have this um, entity in our mind. Our mind basically is a false sense of self. Again, I could be butchering this. I'm going to do my best um, um, for you kind people. Because um, I think this is very uh, rewarding stuff to know, but uh, I'll do my best to keep it concise here. So Eckhart is saying, your mind tortures you. And you, th you think you are your mind, right? And so you don't realize what's going on, but you are not your mind. Your mind is like your servant, and it's the perfect, there's a great saying, the mind is, can be the perfect servant, uh, the mind is a perfect servant and a lousy master, right? Like, so when the, the mind shouldn't be the boss, but most people in our culture, the, and you know, me probably most of the time still, um, the mind is the boss and that's not the best way, right? Now, you don't need to get hysterical and go, ah, oh, I need to change this, uh, that's not going to help either, right? Just practice, be cool. Just enjoy your life, do exactly what you are doing before, but make inc incremental steps toward um, taking power from, instead of your mind, which is you in a sort of dream state, because it, it uses your consciousness, right? You're perceiving through the mind. You think you are the mind. It's kind of like you're dreaming or you're in a virtual reality goggle thing, you know, and it's called the mind. Here I am, you know, um, or, but each time you just notice, oh, I'm thinking oh, I'm in the mind, and suddenly you're outside it, and you can perceive it as just a thought which you were identified with. It's just a thought. It's kind of like you're the CEO, and someone comes up to your desk, hey, boss, here's the file from blah, blah, blah. Thank you. Good work. Keep it up. Um, you know, 
you can treat your thoughts this way. Thank you, my beautiful, capable servant. And then the thought's like, hey, could I, uh, could I try your chair for a bit? Ha ha ha, you know, get back to work, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so the mind, um, we identify with the mind and this causes us to suffer in various ways. Similar to what the Buddha said, yeah, attachment to this so that he gets into how, you know, resistance feeds the ego, this false sense of self. Um, and so you have a self-image, right? This is who I am. And other people don't see you that way, right? They have a different image of who you are. And so an interesting thing he says is if there's two people talking, right, there are four e entities involved here, I guess six, because there's the two souls, you could say five or six, there's the two souls, the consciousness, the true selves, you know, there interacting. Um, and on a deeper level, you could say they're one, right? They're just the consciousness of the universe. They are just the, the tree of life, you know, it's two branches looking at each other. But um, let's say, but on the the level of, say, what most people would be aware of, I suppose, where you're not really aware of, oh, yeah, my consciousness, my pure consciousness, my soul, my awareness, you know, would be I have my image of myself and my image of you. And I'm interacting with my image of who you are. And I have my image of me. And if you say something which con conflicts with my image of me, I might get upset. If you say something which kind of resonates with it, I might feel good. Oh, yeah. You like my jacket? Thank you. I like it too, you know, whatever. Um, and then you have your image of you, yourself, and your image of me, right? So there's these four entities kind of jockeying for position in this conversation. Then you have the, the, the two actual consciousnesses um, who are behind the thoughts. And so, you know, this is a thing you can start to notice when you, if you can med start to meditate, connect with your breath, start to experience this space. And at the end of the podcast, we're going to talk about practical things you can do, practices for developing this ability, right? Um, but, uh, yeah, basically, um, we have our self-image, and it's it's a false self. It's not really you. It's it's That can be okay. You can have a self-image, I suppose, of like, this is, I mean, it's all okay, ultimately. It's just the way it is, and we're learning through it. It's perfect. It's fun, you know? Um, and the more you can approach it as, a fun thing, then the more you can enjoy it, you know, and, um, at, of course, sorry, the more uh, quickly it will accelerate, the more you can enjoy it, um, you will be um, able to advance um, your awareness and kind of uh, free yourself from illusions faster, it would seem. Um, so now, uh, so you have the false self, the ego, where you identify with the mind and where you can kind of disidentify and go, oh, that's just, that's just my ideas about myself, part of what I got from my parents, my teachers, my community, my whatever, you know, um, uh, my friends, you know, uh, myself, the way I've been talking to myself and the narratives I've been building and what I've been dreaming of my life, whole life, you know. That's fine. Okay, so I have this sense of self, but being able to connect to the deeper self, right? And then, so that's what Eckhart's kind of talking about. And um, it's extremely satisfying, extremely interesting. Extreme interesting is not really the, the best word. It is interesting, but it's not really the best word. It's just extremely relieving. Maybe that's a good word, relieving. Like, oh, God, thank God this exists. I didn't realize how much I, I was missing this. Um, so that's waiting for you. Get excited. Um, now, what else does... 
dear Eckhart say? So um, he also talks about the, uh, the pain body, which he, he calls it, where you can have, it's like the momentum of pain from the past. It could be from your own life, things that you, pain you've experienced and it's not, it still kind of gets to you and resonates and can, can come back. You know, old arguments can kind of flame up inside you sometimes. Um, or it could be ancestral stuff, even like um, Eckhart would say, that like the pain from your ancestors, which was somehow encoded into your DNA or memory field or whatever it is, getting reignited, um, uh, which could perhaps account for certain conflicts in the world um, and between people, of course. But, and the idea being that um, this pain wants to perpetuate itself like any kind of entity. Um, it has a certain evolutionary pressure where it's it it's um, guided towards self-perpetuation. Um, and, you know, look, it's above my pay grade. I don't really understand the depths of that, but it does seem to be true that sometimes, oh, I feel bad. Why? And I think, about, wait a minute, I don't think there's any reason. I think it's just the feeling badness is familiar to me, but I think it just doesn't want to go away. And fair enough, I don't want to go away either. But it's you or me, buddy. So, and this is my bloody life. So, you've had your time in the sun. All right, off you go, ancestral trauma. Thank you for your service. Um, I'm going to try and be here now, and just, you know, approach the world with peace. Make the present moment your friend. You know, um, I think at some point um, Eckhart says um, all that is really required. So I think this is like the the in a nutshell, the, the book and his method, although he wouldn't call it a method. He says, I don't really have a teaching. This is just basically, I'm just taking, stripping away all the words and getting you to connect to the now, this moment. And, um, which is all we ever have, he points out. You know, the past was always now. Every moment you had in the past was now. Um, every moment you will have in the future isn't, it's going to be come as now. So it's just now. And he says, all that is really required is to accept this moment fully comes back to the Buddha, Epictetus, just accept what is. Surrender. This is often called surrender. Um, or uh, And it's the greatest victory you can ever have. To surrender against the inevitable, especially um, your own inner psychological and physiological um, inevitabilities, to surrender to that um, basically uh, is what keeps you awake or wakes you. I guess it keeps you awake. I don't know if that would wake you up. I don't know if you can surrender when you're already unconscious. Maybe you can. I don't know. But um, I'm not awakened yet. I'm just doing my best. So this is just food for thought, right? But there we go. So the power of now, it's all about ending the illusion of time. And he says time and mind are two sides of the same coin. So if... You're like, oh, I can't get outside my mind. Oh, yeah, that's always happening, is it? Yeah. Happened yesterday? Yeah. It's going to happen tomorrow? You bet. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a lot of time involved in this narrative. And, you know, a narrative requires time. Beginning, middle, end. What if there was no narrative? What if there is just now? What problem? And another amazing thing he says, what problem do you have now? Oh, well, you know. My, I've got a, someone who someone who I love is sick, or there's some pro. I don't know what to do with this situation, and it's got could have bad consequences if I get it wrong, or um, someone did this, and it's just absolutely you know, well there's you know a war here, or there's real bad things happening. 
Mm-hmm. Now, this can be a bit tricky, right? And I, I want to be fully sensitive here but and respect everyone's suffering because suffering is real on a level, as far as I can see. <laughs> sure feels real. Um, it's like if you're having a nightmare, that's a real experience of terror. However, from the perspective of wakefulness, it wasn't real and you were safe the whole time. But you didn't know that in the moment. So in a way, paradoxically, it actually was real. The dream was a real experience of terror, right? Um, so suffering, uh, ultimately, when you can step outside of thinking, you see, I was just resisting the inevitable. Um, I had a choice. And actually, my consciousness was never in danger. Um, I am the universe. I'm not going anywhere. Even if I die, where is there to go? I am the universe. Where could I go? You know, I don't know exactly how do we get reincarnated or is it just you're just the universe? You're just humming there, chilling while watching the, you know, everyone else, you know, new people get born. I don't know what it is, but from what I can figure out, we are consciousness and we are the universe and we are one and there's nowhere to go. Um, we, uh, immortality, shout out to the ancient Egyptians, yeah, come on screen here, boyo. We told you. That's Ramsey's with an Irish accent. I, we told you. Immortality of the soul, baby. So, um, by which the ancient Egyptians were, I believe, referring to consciousness, realizing you are the universe, you are this consciousness, um, experiencing itself in this life, you know, but you are, um, you do not die when the body dies. That's this experience ending. It's one chapter ends, another's begun. Um, nonetheless, back to the point here. Um, so suffering is real to some, in some way. However, the question Eckhart invites us to ask of what problem do you have now in this moment? It gets us to realize that actually, ultimately suffering is an illusion and that it requires you to be in this dream state of the ego. And that if you had perfect lucidity and wakefulness, you would not be viewing it as a problem. You would be viewing it as a situation. A situation that perhaps is going to be very uncomfortable and um, dissolve many things that you really don't want to be dissolved and maybe maintain or reinforce or build many things you don't want to be reinforced or maintained or built. This is just the flow of life, and it's more accurate to just call it a situation. A problem says it's a situation that is bad, that shouldn't be there. Well, but what do you know? You're a talking monkey, you know, like with all due respect. <coughs> so, and in any case, it's more empowering, even if it was objectively true that, oh, actually, no, it's more, ultimately, it's better, makes more sense to say it's suffering's real. Um, it's a problem. It's not just a situation, right? Even if that was ultimately true, well, practically speaking, you get what you want um, by doing the opposite and, and going, well, let's treat it like it's just a situation. I'm not going to waste my energy resisting something I can't change. I'm going to save that energy for having extra resources to build the life I do want. So, and uh, in any case, I do believe it's ultimately true. Okay, so there we go. That's a bit of the power of now. Um, so sleepy, sleepy, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, 
consciousness of myself um, trying to apprehend the profundities of this incredible book. So some other great spiritual teachers are in, in uh, YouTube. Uh, checking out Eckhart Tolle's stuff on YouTube is amazing. Also because um, he's, he's a very sleepy, lulling German voice. But he's a real funny guy. He's always like kind of chuckling. You know, some people think he's a bit of like a bit odd, you know. But um, he's himself, you know. And um, he's, I've watched God knows how many um, hours of Eckhart Tolle videos. And I've never seen a single moment where I thought, oh, this guy's pulling some tricks. Or this guy's not what he's pretending. He's always just constantly flowing and being himself. And incredible peace and wisdom flows from this man. So I, um, I would definitely recommend checking him out. And, uh, you know, take everything everyone says with a pinch of salt. I think Eckhart would agree with that. Like, there's, uh, it's more dangerous. There's no, there's, um, you should uh, not be attached to opinions and thoughts. Um, you know, take them as tools. Can I use this? Is it useful? But no need to be attached to anything, really. Um, and uh, just all you really need is this um, habit of... Uh, returning your consciousness to the facts of right now, what's actually happening. Um, like taking a delicious sip of water. Uh, now, some other spiritual teachers I would recommend um, or to check out. Um, YouTube's, well, I, I know them from really, but uh, Muji, M-O-O-J-I, really cool guy, very um, perceptive and funny. Um, uh, Adya Shanti, like Adya, A-D-Y-A-S-H-A-N-T-I. Adya Shanti, very cool, um, uh, very kind of, I think, um, very, almost like kind of anal analytic and able to very clearly kind of point out the way the mind works and stuff, which is very interesting. Um, and yeah, very peaceful also. All these cats just emanate peace and it's really great. Even apart from the words, there's something Eckhart, always says right apart from the more important than the words is just the the silence in between the words and the feeling the 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 emanation that is you you get when you so when you're listening to someone talk in general but um, spiritual teachers also or perhaps even in particular more important than paying attention to the words is just pay attention just to the silence and the space and let that be your focus, and then the objects of the thought, the words, and the thoughts will just take their place. You know, you don't need to worry about that. But um, so you hold that space, which you are, and then, yeah, uh, that's an incredible way to interact with people. And I find often in many conversations, the conversation goes a completely different direction just because you weren't thinking about what you're going to say next. You're just looking them in the eye, and they might not have really realized what's going on, but they're like, this person's really listening to me and somehow I really like it, you know? And the crazy thing is you kind of see yourself in them when you do that. They see themselves in you. So it's a pretty profound bonding. And then that's just going to take the conversation in, you know, the best possible direction, I guess. So um, others, uh, Gangaji, she's very cool. This uh, woman, Gangaji, uh, Rupert Spearer, very good also. So there's some people, I, you know, I'm sure there's countless people, but, well, not countless. I don't think there's too many people like this, but 
Um, these are some people who you know I've found benefit from. If you're interested, um, so um, all right, let's see now. I guess what else here? Um, well, we could perhaps uh, move on to so. So I mean, I guess it, it touches upon um, this uh, awakening and enlightenment. It does change the way you see the world. So, but I mean, that's not the most important thing. I think just doing the practices and getting the results of like your own personal freedom and self-expression and self, just peace. That's the real important thing. However, I think it is my. I could just say i mean i think the my point of view of how this kind of ties together maybe some people that could be i suppose a uh a hit um a snag where they're like oh i can't it just seems like i, I don't see how that could make sense so they wouldn't go and get the practical the benefits because they're like hung up on the idea of how does that fit into your worldview <clears throat> so just to go through that a little bit i think uh the universe exists Right? Would you agree? And if you disagree, how do you know? If you don't exist, in what 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 you're not in much position to really comment, are you? Um, or if you say consciousness is an illusion, it's just you know an epiphenomenon. Uh, <clears throat> it seems to exist, but it's just uh, you know the flow flow of um, brain chemistry, neurons firing, and uh, synapses, you know, electrochemical signals and whatever. We can scan it. We know what's happening in the brain. Consciousness, we don't see it. You know, it's just, it's not there, right? Um, however, science comes from consciousness. There would be no science without the experience of consciousness. It comes from first-person consciousness. All these people, all the scientists, name me a scientist who can see their own face, <laughs> okay? No one. It's all first person, isn't it? It's a subjective experience where we're um, rightly trying to articulate objective reality, and it's very useful. And hats off to these geniuses who are doing all this amazing stuff with science. But, you know, um, no one's perfect. Um, and so there is a tendency in science these days where it becomes scientism, whereby it's becoming a religion. You know, the, oh, you have a white coat? All right. Yes, father. I mean, uh, uh, doctor. <laughs> you know, like the new priests, right? New class or caste that you can't question. Scientists and doctors. And, you know, there's something to it. Like, they've done amazing things for society. Yeah, I get that. Absolutely. Um, however, it's very important for everyone, including scientists and doctors, and many very wise scientists and doctors are the people pointing this out and who I've heard it from. Um, and so, and I, I agree but um, it's good for all of us to remember, like, we're all just human beings. We were all babies. We we're all babies who grew up, right? Like, you know, look at a baby. Oh, cool. Come back 20 years later. Whoa, you're talking. You're really like me. Oh, my God. I'm basically a grown-up baby. Whoa. So, and, you know, so uh, scientism will make claims which it, it actually can't back up. People say, Oh, God doesn't exist. Oh, really? Okay. You mean that's your opinion, right? Give me some proof that God exists. 
It's not just an opinion, it's a fact. Well, wait a minute. Um, you are making a claim that God doesn't exist. Where is your proof for that? I can say, I can make my claim, God does exist, and I don't have proof. Okay. But just because, who's going to go first? No, you go first. You give me your proof first, and then I'll keep my cards here. Maybe I have some proof. You go first. Give me your proof that he doesn't exist, or it doesn't exist, or she doesn't exist. You know, so atheism, for example, I would say is another religion because it's saying there is definitely no God. Well, that's actually, you don't actually have enough evidence for that claim, right? Um, Agnosticism would be wiser, I would say, where you're going, look, we don't have enough information. I think it's unlikely, maybe, that God exists, but I don't know. What does an ant know about humans? What do humans know about the universe, right? Um, But that's not what happens. Often people, you know, naturally enough, we like to understand things and put everything in a box. Um, Again, that the humans who didn't like doing that didn't make it through evolution. So we like to categorize stuff and like to try to know everything. And um, perhaps it's comforting. Also, as we start to learn more and more about the nature of the universe, I guess it can get a bit overwhelming on our psyche. And so to compensate for that, perhaps we need you know, um, well, we don't need to, but maybe some people are drawn to trying to boost their sense of security by, oh, I know what's going on. But I don't think it's necessary. Really, it's actually delicious to just embrace not knowing. And that's a great way, again, something Eckhart Tolle says, not knowing, embracing that state of not knowing is like a, a gateway into the now and pure consciousness. I don't know. Nothing to think about. Um, and ironically then that's where beautiful thoughts flow from and you know so you're like oh I know nothing and then lo and behold all this you know uh, wisdom just starts flowing oh where did that come from you know wow you know mysterious universe Um, so you know some people might say oh you know science has proven you know there's no God well okay you know there's um, I would say no one's died and gone, okay, there was no heaven. Let me go back and tell everyone. <laughs> you know, doesn't make sense. doesn't work, right? Um, so it's actually, I'd say, 50-50. We don't know. At a basic level, it would be 50-50. Either there's an afterlife or there's not. There's two options. Afterlife, no afterlife. 50-50, right? Let me know in the comments. Do you think that's bogus mathematics probability? I don't know. I think that makes sense. Like, there's two options. No one's been there to get gather information, do some studies, right? Science uh, is uh, testing things through hypotheses and experiments, certain things we can't experiment on, like the afterlife. So it's left into this limbo thing, which used to be full of lots of stuff of, oh, we just don't know. But I guess as we've started to answer so many of the questions we originally had a couple hundred years ago, perhaps there's a tendency to go to even forget about the existence of this middle pile of stuff that we just don't know. It's just the yes pile, the no pile, but the maybe pile, let's not forget that, you know, my maybe pile is huge. There's a lot of stuff I'm like, I just don't know, but it's possible. So now, um, what else? Yeah, so the Big Bang. Oh, yeah, everything just began 13.4 billion years ago. Mm-hmm, okay. Um, and then that ev- consciousness comes from that, right? Okay, so one problem with that, look, may- maybe that's how it happened. I don't know, but why not 13.6 billion years ago? 13.7 billion, you know. 20 billion years ago, why, why didn't it happen one day earlier, one, what we call 24 hours? Why didn't it happen 24 hours earlier? 
what was the spark that caused it just then? Why didn't it happen later? Right? Um, where did it happen? Explosions normally happen in a space. <laughs> where did this explosion come from? One of the fundamental laws of physics is conservation of energy and momentum. Where did the whole universe of momentum that you're, you say this law applies to, where did all that come from? You know? So there's all these mysteries, and I think the, the wise thing for a scientist to do or anyone to do is to admit what you don't know. Otherwise, everything else gets, you lose your credibility, which is a shame because a lot of people have a lot of incredible insights to offer, and, but you just need to maintain balance and say, look, some things I just don't know. And I'm, I'm proud to have the, the backbone to say, I don't know this, and I'm not afraid of that. Um, and yeah, so a lot's mystery. Um, now, you know, all, what is the nothingness of the universe? What is the universe inside of? What is the emptiness that's all, you know, within the universe? Like people call it dark matter or, you know, but some of these times, what, I don't know, it s strikes me as that we're maybe we're just putting words, maybe it's just, I don't understand it enough, but it seems sometimes like we're just putting labels on things so that we can pretend we know, you know, um, uh, like, but Maybe dark matter is not a good example of that. Um, I'm not sure. I don't know really anything about it, but um, but I do know that it's very it's very interesting that the nothingness, like what is nothingness, and it's everywhere, right? And it seems like it's one with everything. If you imagine the universe, right, and imagine let's say it's there's all these different. Is the universe more than one, or is it just one? I would say it's one, right? Now, uh, and I would say. That you know, that is part of one argument for why you can know through logic that we are awareness, we are the one. Although I think really to know it, you need to just turn off the thoughts. Very simple. Learn how to meditate or maybe to get a little help from, you know, a chemical or whatever you want. Um, and, you know, or yoga, whatever. And uh, you can experience this yourself where there is not me and the universe. There is just, there are no words but there's just the presence of everything. And of course we are one, you know? But for those who want to go through a, a, another level of like more abstract reasoning, the more traditional philosophical process of Western, you know, philosophy and science, then I would say, yeah, the, the, one argument is if the, if the universe were more than one thing, um, what is the, you have the universe, okay. Now if, let's split it, there's two things. Are they connected? If they're connected, then they're one thing. If they're not connected, what is in between them? Now you've got three things, you know? So if you've got two types of material in the universe, then what's in between them, right? Like, it doesn't seem to make sense. Like, that would have to be more universe. But then it's it, either it's connected again, or there's three things. But if you have uh, three things, then what's in between them? Now you've got extra things. So it, it doesn't seem like a stable conception of what's going on, because you know, just the nature of what is the universe. If you have three things, okay, there's, what's that, three extra boundaries now? And then all of those boundaries are new things. Okay, and what's in between them? It just keeps multiplying, you know? Um, so it seems, you know, that's a bit abstract, but that would be one argument, I think, for why everything is one, and it's just a sort of fractal. It's like, you know, imagine a triangle. You put little triangles on each side, each of those triangles has now two small sides exposed. You put a triangle in each. Each of them now has two itty-bitty triangles with two sides exposed. Keep doing it. You can make a little fractal, right? It's one, but um, it's exploring new shapes and new forms through its um, kind of 
um, appendices or, or not appendices, but it's, um, you know, extremities. So perhaps that's what we are. We're this, um, the oneness of the universe expressing itself um, and we're all separate, but not really. We're like branches on the tree, right? So, and yeah, and I would say, I think, look, I think, you know, um, the scientific method is a beautiful thing. And uh, I think basically I would agree with a lot of um, the modern scientific, quote unquote, you know, scientific uh, worldview of the way things work. I just give um, due um, respect to mystery, the things we don't know. And I think a lot of it's really compatible. Like uh, my view would be the whole universe is conscious. It is consciousness. It is conscious. And it's just kind of in an sort of internal dreams. I don't know how it works, but um, almost like uh, it's um, in an internal uh, dream kind of thing where it's experiencing itself inside out from every corner. The universe is experiencing itself through my plants. You know, it's not looking at me, I guess, but somehow the energy that is me, this emptiness which experiences things, is somehow any form, gen kind of th that emptiness can experience itself through that form. And so, you know, um, potentially everything, I even inanimate objects potentially, um, could have a field of awareness, like a book, right? And then someone might go, oh, that's bolderdash. That doesn't make any sense. It's got no eyes. It's got no nervous system. But that's a false premise. We're presuming, look, we haven't solved the hard problem of consciousness. So you are being disingenuous or jumping to conclusions if you're a good scientist and you're saying, oh, hey, there's no, it's impossible for a book to have consciousness. Well, look, we haven't solved the problem of consciousness. We don't know. No one has been able to say, okay, from matter, this is how we get consciousness. No one, right? So how do we know? It's still an open, live possibility that consciousness precedes everything. As Eckhart Tolle said, uh, the brain doesn't produce um, didn't produce consciousness. Contras consciousness produced the brain. That the whole universe, which just inexplicably started expanding into this beautiful order, which turns into this thing where you can understand my words and there's meaning invested in them and emotion. And even if you're like, oh, this guy's totally crazy. What's he talking about? Um, you know, how are you able to have this experience of meaning out of nowhere? That's a bit of a strange coincidence, isn't it? Isn't it more likely, more than 50% likely that our intuitions of meaning and um, consciousness are correct? You know, especially since we don't know. Doesn't it seem more likely as a working hypothesis? Um, so the universe has expanded and creates all these, this order um, and, you know, increasingly um, complex things. And perhaps it's almost like there's a myth of from India, I think, of Krishna or whatever, you know, or something like that, chopping himself into like a million pieces and then having to re-find himself, put himself back together. And that's something like the journey of, say, the divine intelligence of the cosmos going out into, um, you know, oh, you know, elements and, you know, um, in cooking into stars and then the, the hearts of the stars explode and they burst heavier metals, you know, all around and then they congeal and form planets and then life begins and you get this and that. And then you have some guy ranting with a guitar in the background and he's, you know, talking about all this um, on a podcast to, you know, these people who are listening, uh, hopefully following his gist um, while they twirl around in space at a million miles an hour. So it, it, uh, it seems to me, more likely than not, 
I would I would guess I don't have evidence that the the universe uh, is just consciousness in evolution. This created the brain, and that allows a more it allows more consciousness in. Perhaps perhaps it's like pure speculation, but perhaps the more complex the form, um, the more um, like an irrigation system for consciousness or something. It allows more consciousness to irrigate this little space, and it allows um, the intelligence of the universe, more and more of that to kind of flood in. Um, so there we go. All right. So these are some thoughts about how you can have the complete, the material universe like it is now, exactly the same, except what we call energy and matter is actually consciousness of a type. And as, you know, somehow it's generate, um, we don't know. The alternative is that it's not conscious, it's just energy, and it turns into consciousness. We don't know how. I'm just suggesting look, we know this consciousness because we're here, right? Like we said before, like um, to, 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 to be able to say, oh, it's an illusion, to even notice an illusion requires someone's present to notice it, right? That wouldn't happen automatically. You'd just be like, do 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 everything, wouldn't it, right? Or isn't it at least more than 50% likely that to notice an illusion, you need to actually be there, right? Doesn't that make more sense? Um, so consciousness is here. We know everything seems to be one, right? Um, and definitely the, there's this un, you know evolving universe. It seems like the most simple, um, elegant solution there would be that, look, consciousness is everything. And um, all these people throughout history who have been talking about how we are the universe. No smoke without fire, you know? That's just the way it is. Hallelujah. Isn't that nice? Why are we resisting this? Anyway. Um, no, it's good, but it's good to question things as well. So, you know, that's good. The back and forth is fine. Um, so, yeah, and now I would say, uh, before we get into practices, you could do on your on your own sweet lonesome. Um, consciousness, uh, I think um, we mentioned a little bit about history and society and how it seems like when the um, people who have a kind of elevated perspective they come and kind of share this and then it kind of helps us all, you know, vibe off that and we can kind of, you know, learn lessons and get more perspective and increase the harmony and flourishing of civilization, more peace, more prosperity, more perception. Um, and it seems like, I guess, different cultures have perhaps different kind of um, directions they take their consciousness in, like, you know, you've got certain things you pay more attention to, certain ways of seeing things. Um, ultimately, it's all consciousness, right? It's all the same thing. But I guess the light, the white light of consciousness is the same, but the the forms through which the apertures, the through which it is the light is bending, creates different colors of different rainbows or, you know, um, this is a metaphor, obviously, but different, um, yeah, different uh, tones and uh, styles of, perception and activity and living right and so that's a beautiful thing you know i love like it's a great thing about traveling is you see not just how you know the buildings are different but you see how people kind of think differently and they kind of have different things they uh, ideas about what you should be doing their values how you should live their beliefs about just in general like what's what's real what's not or and so i think it's a great thing and we should um definitely encourage um tolerance of all kinds of consciousness or not all kinds of consciousness, but all kinds of um, thinking, all kinds of um, behavior. Um, so long as, you know, um, they're respecting the uh, sovereignty and 
of you know the of love and look if you're not hurting anyone you can do whatever you want right i guess um you know uh I, you know, it's hard when sometimes, you know, some people break that rule then in some other part of the world. Then what do we do about that? Look, that's another conversation. Who knows? But um, one thing we can definitely do is whenever I hear all this you know, terrible stuff that's happening in the world is to just remember that like, terrible things have been happening for a long, long time. We've been through a lot of crises. It goes up and down, up and down. And the, the root of all beneficial things is consciousness. What else is deeper than your awareness of who you are, what this is, and um, from that, you know, what we should be doing. Um, and also I think in, even if you don't understand what this is or who you are, or whatever, just kind of tuning in out of thoughts, and thoughts are very useful, of course, but tuning just into your pure, your body, giving some space that improves, you know, it's like a, not eating the same food every day gives some psychic or cognitive um, diversity. Um, and that, that yin-yang kind of balances you out. And um, what's that guy? The, the Master and His Emissary. Um, a book I haven't read, but a really interesting um, idea. I can't remember the, the dude's name who wrote it. But um, kind of talking about the left and right hemispheres and this two, you know, consciousness versus intellect sort of and the balance between them. So I think um, this is, uh, you know, something that is very benef the, the greatest benefit you can really give to society is just to take care of your own little corner of society. You know, if you want to cl clean up the world, start with your corner of the garden. You know, here I am. All right, let's let's sort me out first, and then maybe I'll inspire the people around me to go. Oh, that's cool. Let's do that too. Um, on an energetic level, probably, but then also on a more like, you know, intellectual level, just go. Oh, that's interesting. What's he doing there? Okay, you know. Um, so I think when in doubt, start working on yourself and um, especially your state of consciousness and how, how are you feeling, trying to feel more peaceful um, and don't, you know, don't fall for the idea that your mind might tell you of like, oh, to be doing good in the world, you need to get angry about bad things. I think anger probably has, you know, has a role and sometimes there's righteous anger, like it can empower people to do what needs to be done to protect a certain rightful boundary. But in general, you know, like um, acute anger, like every now and then, okay, let it flow, let it go, right? Maybe it has, you know, it probably has a place to some extent, I would say. But chronic anger, like general unease and, you know, anger about these things, not good, not going to help. Um, it's going to diminish your consciousness, I think. So, you know, with just a little brief aside, but how this connects to like our responsibilities to other people, your friends, your family, um, your community, your country, your planet, I think it's a really beautiful thing is this is extremely um, powerful. Like you can do a small thing, like very, very small thing that to someone else and that could really have a big influence on their day and that could totally snip, totally cut off what would have been a snowball effect of negative, negative energy. You know, people bumping into each other, not getting along. And you don't know when that ex escalates to some real problem, you know? Um, so, by, and why did you just do that little nice thing? You know, you were in that frame of mind. Why were you in that frame of mind? Great question. We should all explore that, right? How can we be more in that frame of mind of peace? And, yeah. So, stuff to think about, my friends. Finally, 
practices, okay? You've been very patient, uh, suspiciously patient. Are you all enlightened? And this is like your, uh, you're like a, te- you know, uh, kind of telling me how to, uh, you know, make progress here, teaching me the the uh, the nature of enlightenment as far as you understand it. Um, it could be. Uh, I guess we're all we're all the teacher and the student. Potentially also the message. So um, practices, reading, right? That's I mean, uh, of course, meditation is closer to the mark of just, you know, sit down but and do it, you know, get right into it. But I think reading is a great way where it's very accessible to people who perhaps might not be totally into this stuff already. Or maybe they've got a slump, hit a slump with like, oh, I'm just tired of it. You know, look, read novels, read stories. They can light you up with, oh, my God. This story is so amazing. Life is so amazing. Stories are so amazing. My own story is not finished. Oh, and it can fill you with an enthusiasm to live more. And you're probably going to notice, hey, working on my own um, state of awareness and being and selfhood is uh, going to be, you know, getting straight to the heart of the matter, you know. Um, and by the way, you know, the heart, I think we talk about your heart, that really is this consciousness when you can be outside of thinking it feels like your heart, and there's a lot of neurons in your heart, by the way. The nervous system goes, you know, your heart is very much part of the nervous system. It's not just your brain. Also your gut, interestingly enough. Um, and they're kind of independent to some extent. It seems like, for example, when there's danger, your gut seems to kind of take over to some extent, I think. But your heart, definitely you can feel it like when you're in this state of consciousness, there's a certain ballooning of kind of this sense of um, intelligence connected to your heart and connected just to connection to everyone else and a, a feeling of belonging and restfulness. So just an, an aside we didn't mention yet, but the heart, you know, if you want to love someone, um, you know, learn to step outside the, the, the mind, you know. Um, and then you can step back into the mind when you're, you're ready and it can be a beautiful thing. Um, but being able to do so in balance and voluntarily, not on autopilot, a slave to some negativity-addicted um, entity in your skull. So reading, uh, reading novels, reading poetry. I love poetry. It can be very beautiful and uplifting. Um, and uh, if you can, writing. I, I write poetry and you know, I love it. I don't know if there's anything better. Oh, there's probably some things better, but anyway, it's so good. Um, and uh, reading spiritu- books about spirituality. Read The Power of Now. Read um, uh, The Four Agreements which we didn't actually talk about, but um, uh, I will. it's so good that I should just quickly mention um, the Don Miguel Ruiz, his book, very powerful. Um, not quite about enlightenment, but it is about f- personal freedom. So essentially precursor to um, this awakening, I would say. It's a way of getting the peace. And then in that space, you're going to you know, basically be there, it seems. But um, uh, uh, forgive me, I, I do want to give you this juicy summary okay so just two minutes um so the the four agreements one is be impeccable with your word two uh don't take anything personally three don't make assumptions four always do your best the idea is if you live in accordance with these principles if you agree with them not just like yeah that makes sense i agree no but you live in agreement with them you live in alignment with them you embody them 
um, you don't conf- contradict them or conflict with them via your behavior, you endorse them with your behavior, then you will be per- have personal freedom. You will be escape suffering, basically. Um, and you'll find all the juicy joys of life. Um, so one, um, don't take anything personally. Everyone's, we're all in our own dream state. We're all got our mind and our, you know, telling us our, a story of what's going on. Often it's kind of quite negative. Maybe that was useful a long time ago for staying alive, but these days it tends to be pretty counterproductive. Um, and so when people do something to you, instead of going, oh, why'd they do that? That's so unfair. You know, don't they understand who I am and what, you know, that's not fair. That's not right. Just realize, oh, we're all on this kind of strange autopilot thing and we're all doing our best and that's actually got nothing to do with me. You could swap me with some other person in that situation and they would have done the same thing a lot of the time, you know, um, so, or you reminded them of someone they know. So really, it's got nothing to do with you. If you can, uh, this is one of the agreements, right? Don't take anything personally. Just go, oh, okay, it's just the flow of life coming through. It's really not about me. And that takes a lot of the pressure off. Then you're able to go, okay, I don't need to react to this. I can go, oh, okay, they're, uh, they're on a strange trip. All right, more, you know, uh, blessings to them, but you know, okay, you know, um, uh, agreement two. Um, so, uh, sorry, sorry, that was agreement two. Don't take anything personally. Number one was be impeccable with your speech. <laughs> That's ironic. I wasn't really impeccable. Use the word your speech, which is a um, manifestation of your creative energy, your ability to control your life through your thinking and your talking. Right, the word. Um, so. Uh, Know, use the word wisely. Basically, um, he is saying use it in alignment with truth and love. So tell the truth, but um, also in alignment with love. So perhaps there would be situations where, oh, you don't need to say it exactly as it is, you know, because you know it's all about harmony. Truth is part of that, but you know, um, and love, not um, and you say self-love. Sorry, tr- um, truth and self-love. Use the word in alignment with this, and self-love includes the big self, right? Because if I hurt you, I'm hurting me because we're connected, you know. Even just pragmatically, it's going to come back to bite me. But the truth is we're part of this one tree of life. So use number one, use uh, be impeccable with uh, your word, right? Use the word, your, your um, speech, your thinking in alignment with truth and love, harmony. Two, don't take anything personally. Okay, just let it go. Three, um, don't make assumptions. So don't just assume, oh, this is what's going on. Oh, that's what they're thinking. Ask lots of questions and be very suspicious because assumptions are invisible until you get close to them. So keep your eye out for what question should I be asking is a great question, right? Are there any questions I should be asking? Is there anything I'm not, I'm not thinking of, but I should be thinking of. Try to just cultivate question asking uh, um, and have the courage to ask other people questions. Even if you think maybe it's obvious, I know what they're going to say. Do you? Maybe that's an assumption. You ask them and they surprise you. Oh my God. You know, and that this is a way to avoid conflict and um, improve communication. Um, four, always do your best. Look, sometimes you'll be sick. Sometimes you'll be very healthy. Sometimes you'll be drunk. Sometimes you'll be sober, whatever. We're, sometimes you're going to be enthusiastic about, you know, spiritual awakening. Sometimes you're going to be like, just why am I even here? Right? So your best will change with day to day and moment to moment, whatever, year to year. But, just do the best you can in this moment. And if you can do that, then you can um, basically do all the other, all the, the agreements, they build on top of each other. 
So the fourth one helps you do the first three better. The third one helps you do the first two better. The second one helps you do the first one better. So this is this uh, little magic recipe, little magic spell for how to have personal freedom um, and escape what he would call, similar to Eckhart talking about the ego and kind of torturing us. Um, The ego has a place, right? But it can be out of control in many people, often supercharged with negative energy via the pain body. Um, Don Miguel Ruiz would characterize that as the the judge and the victim, these two characters in your head that, oh, why'd you do that, you idiot? Oh, I'm so bad, I'm so bad, why'd I do that? Right, and you're playing both of these roles in your own interior drama and the book of laws, which um, the judge uses to beat over the head of the victim. Um, and maybe the victim secretly likes it, you know? Um, and so that would be the belief system, the book of laws, your own beliefs about how you should live, which you've been given by your parents, your society, etc. And so he's saying the four agreements can free you from this um, counterproductive um, maelstrom of bad vibes um, and start to live free, wise, and wild and, you know, um, contribute to create the life you want to live. So reading, very good, right? All kinds of reading. Um, Meditation, uh, you know, it's not as difficult as you think, really. (laughs) It's definitely not as difficult as you think um, thinking is you know, gonna, you don't know what it is until you stop thinking, right? Um, uh, basically, it's a concentration, focus concentration on one thing, and it draws you into the present moment. Um, so it collapses the illusion of time. Uh, and there's many kinds of meditation. Yoga is basically a moving meditation, or what we call yoga in the West, like the asanas, the movements. Um, although yoga deeply means uh, union, and yogis are doing all kinds of crazy stuff, you know, connecting with the universe. But, um, uh, so meditation, a simple one would be close your, sit down, close your eyes, focus on your breathing. It could be heavy, it could be shallow, it could be uncomfortable, it could be comfortable. It doesn't matter. Just notice breath going in, breath going out. If you're like me and you hit the, the problem of, wait, am I, am I breathing or is it happening automatically? Am I meant to let it go or am I meant to do it? Both? It doesn't matter. You, you can do both, actually. You can make it, it can be automatic while your attention's doing other things, um, or you can focus on your breathing and take over the wheel. Um, so, no, that's, hopefully, that's not an issue for anyone. You can just consciously do some deep breathing, and then just let go of the wheel, and your body will just take over for you. And, um, and you just kind of uh, see with your eyes closed, you're just there doing... Pay attention to your breathing and you'll start to, you might do 10 breaths in and out um, and you'll notice your thinking and that, oh my God, I'm thinking so much. And that's fine. Every time you notice your thinking, uh, that's actually good for you. It's like strengthening your consciousness or your ability for your consciousness to take over the wheel and have silence reign in your, you know, between your ears. No need to think. Um, and But you will you know, the whole thing is you will start thinking again. And so the goal is to quieten your mind, not silence your mind. Um, you can silence your mind uh, with uh, practice, um, but uh, it's, you know, it's, you don't need to do it. Um, you Even if you can't even quiet your mind, just trying, that's good for you. It's, it's like exercise, you know, so... Um, and soon enough, yeah, you will be able to do it um, practi- with practice. You can, you're a human being. You're not that special. You're not so special that you can't meditate. Sorry. You know? So that's the good news of you know, 
your lack of being special is you too um, have peace, inner peace as your birthright. And the way to do it, you can meditate, feel your body, feel your breathing. You can look at a candle, just look at it moving. It can draw you into the present moment. You can just look at trees and do it. Eyes open. You can you can meditate while you're waiting for coffee. Just sit there, you know, just do nothing. And just instead of thinking or going your phone, just look at the counter or feel your breath. And um, it's easier at first to begin with eyes closed. But yeah, and that's a great thing to be doing. You're grounding yourself into consciousness. So it's not like you do meditation half an hour a day and then you're a jerk the rest of the time. It's like, no, you're in integrating this into your life, which is the whole point. Um, so meditation's great, many kinds of it. Um, nature, yeah, get into nature. I like to try to get my bare feet on the ground every day. I don't, but um, <laughs> trying. Um, uh, and that's very good for you. It, there's a, a flow of electrons from your, I believe that's what it is, like a, a ne or negative ions, some sort of thing that's been scientifically studied. But, you know, the whole thing, it, of course, it just feels good to walk barefoot. That's not a uh, placebo effect or imagination. They've studied that, scientists or whoever, and they've found, like, oh, yeah, there's some sort of, basically, um, it's like an antioxidant, right? So you're reducing the um, oxidative stress on your body due to some sort of electrical exchange with the earth. Um, uh, and, uh, of course, our bodies are full of like, electricity and magnetism, which is pretty crazy. Um, and so that's a great thing. And just getting, you know, seeing nature, seeing trees, growing plants, I really believe like that has a very powerful influence on you. So if you're trying to raise your awareness or connect to a sense of peace or escape um, suffering, or maybe not escape suffering, but um, befriend suffering, and thus like the bully that sees your superior heart um, is no longer a bully and can become your, your friend and your ally. Um, but... Uh, because suffering is really a teacher, right? We don't need to resist suffering, and we will it will keep getting hurt until we learn to act in accordance with wisdom and the laws of nature, like control what you can control, you know, uh, surrender to the rest. Um, so thankfully, if we ever stop doing what we should do, suffering is going to step in and beat the, <laughs> the shit out of us um, uh, to help us, you know, wake up again. So, but if this is what you're trying to do, yeah, definitely... Um, Encourage you. Nature's good. Um, what else here? Yoga mentioned. Um, entheogens or psychedelic compounds um, have been studied lots and lots um, in the last 10 years. There's been a resurgence, a renaissance of psychedelic research. And you need to be careful with these things because they're very powerful and they need to be treated with absolute reverence and respect. Not as like, in my opinion, it shouldn't be like a party thing. It should be a self-development thing if you, if you want to do it. Um, and traditional cultures have been doing it for thousands of years um, and so and with great success um, Western culture lost that tradition possibly during the witch burnings that kind of thing um, but all the great minds of ancient Roman Greece were doing it at Eleusis um, so Plato was tr tripping balls you know um, um, Marcus Aurelius like all, all these people were they were doing this and it was part of their intellectual um, development, right? It was a, it was very important. They called it the mysteries, um, the Eleusinian mysteries. So, um, and then, you know, basically every civilization, Egypt had them, you know, like uh, basically everywhere it seems. Now, um, but in the modern world, like if we don't, we don't have shamans to help us with this. So if you're going to do it, you want to make sure 
you know, your um, you know, do your proper research, etc. Um, and uh, you know, I'm not going to encourage anyone to do it, but uh, you know, um, these uh things do have the ability to um kind of give you a vision of what you're aiming for because basically they can bring on an enlightenment experience very powerfully for perhaps a few hours maybe and no it's it's very much an interaction with your personality and the the chemical so it's not just like boom you know you're enlightened um but if you're already on that path it can open the doors of oh yes that's that's my potential and then with some more work that could just be your resting state of neurochemistry or maybe not exactly like that but you can it can um help you know show you what where you're lagging behind what you're missing things you've been hiding from it can give you a temporary boost in perspective where you can see yourself from a bird's eye perspective and kind of see what you need to do but then the integration is extremely important so you don't want to be reliant on these things they are tools they can help you learn faster and i think mother nature would appreciate all of us learning as fast as we can at the moment um in a way there's no rush it's just it's all perfect but in a way yeah you know it, it wouldn't be too bad if a few of us could kind of wisen up a little bit and start to maybe increase the harmony with um the rest of the uh, ecosystem so these can be a tool for um developing your consciousness but there are you know risks um and you need to approach it wisely um and you know understand set and setting and um you know integration and the fact that you know coming coming back to earth afterwards you know it might be you know a bit of a crash landing sometimes um falling from heaven uh so uh yeah but um but that is that has been and continues to be a part of many people's spiritual evolution and so but just to be aware um that yes um you you need to do the the groundwork um and um there is no um magic button that you can just press and yes um as far as i'm aware anyway but um thank you universe for these gratuitous graces as aldous huxley called them um relationships so friendships um relationships with your family um and you know romantic relationships these can be incredibly they're a mirror right so social connections incredibly important i think for your evolution um in all things personal growth in general and you know personal maintenance you know not atrophying but um uh in terms of awakening i think people show you just in general people sh- they're they're a mirror right if you have a real good um honest communicative relationship um these people your beloved they will help point out to you especially if you have the um wisdom to ask them you know things like what blind spots do you think i have you know whatever the wow man they can really help you right and so um and you know understanding all oh, the effects you have i have on these people and okay interesting maybe i need to tone back on that or do this a bit more so maintaining connection you could just go off to a cave and do it that way you know or just be on your own i'm sure but um i think for me i find that um i become a a better more um grounded um person and yeah a wiser person through associating with other humans you know and trying to you know get along and have fun you know um yes so um 
And part of that is um, the encounter with your shadow, as uh, Jung, Carl Jung, talked about, like um, being aware of your own negative side, the part of yourself you would prefer not to see. Um, very important, and through relationships, we are that shadow is you know noticed more. Um, as Jung said, something like a tree can only can only grow, a tree's branches can only grow um, to heaven if its roots reach down to hell. So ponder that, would you? Um, so yeah, integrating your light and dark. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. We are. Um, souls incarnate in animals and um yeah i'm pretty far from perfect but um uh i um am uh perfectly imperfect in the ultimate um from the ultimate point of view i would think and um i can accept myself as i am and do my utmost to be better and uh, if everyone does that we should be all right um so <laughs> mixed martial arts, I think um, jujitsu is wonderful. I'm an extreme novice at jujitsu, but it's very, it's like three dimensional chess with body parts. It's, and it's incredible. Very good for your fitness, which in general is good for, you know, you know, uh, expanding your mind, becoming more aware. If you've got a healthy body, um, then that's going to help a lot. Something I need to work on, I would say actually. Um, but uh, exercise can be a big part of that. And Martial arts require such discipline and focus and humility um, that many people talk about like how that greatly changed their their mind through you know um, through um, learning uh, martial arts uh, it, it triggered a, a psychological transformation which um, basically you know had them wise up a lot you know so that's something you could get into and it's good for self defense good for meeting people you know exercise why not. Um, it's Fun sport as well, you know, competition. Um, Wim Hof method, right? So um, before this podcast, I did three rounds of, you know, deep breathing, you know, and uh, the Wim Hof method is great. You know, you can look it up. Um, the Iceman, Wim Hof. Um, there's a bunch of stuff in that that's very good. And, you know, I kind of tend to think, um, you know, the goal, need, you don't want to get too carried away with, oh, yeah, I must get to this state of mind where I am free of suffering and I'm enlightened forever or, or whatever. It's like, you know, look, you know, that's like some future-oriented perspective. You know, look, just I think it's better to just try to enjoy your life now and try to be as wise as you can now. And you're going to go in and out of these different states. Of, and we're all going to do that. And so long as we're trying just to kind of right now, can I be a bit more outside of my limited um, egoic consciousness and have a bit of space behind my thoughts then it's going to improve the quality of my thinking. I want to make better decisions. If everyone's doing that, it's all going to be good. And one day, certain people are going to just wake up. Oh my God, like, wow, I kind of seem to be permanently in this other state. Interesting, you know, but there's no harm in just focusing on the now. There's only benefit, right? And so I think uh, these things will come when they come, but there's no need to make it. Um, it's probably something I, I made, uh, the mistake I made in the past is, being too intent upon, no, I need to do it now, now, you know, or soon, soon, soon. Um, you know, just do your best and um, who knows what things we all need to work through. And anyway, it's the journey, not the destination. Is it not so? So, yes. Um, but yeah, the Wim Hof Method and all these other small things, I was trying to say, can be useful as just, you know, take, dotting the I's, crossing the T's, you know, this can improve the quality of your life. And um, yes. Um, 
travel, also very good moving around the, the earth, you know, experience different cultures, different ways of doing things is I think very good for your, your mind and your consciousness. Um, can give you ideas about how, who you want to be, what you want to do in your precious time on this earth. Diet and lifestyle, kind of mentioned, just being healthy in general, you know, get into intermittent fasting if you want. You skip one meal a day, that can be very good for you. You can probably experience deeper states of mindfulness, awareness if you do this, um, you know, etc. Eating fresh food, you know, you get the idea. Um, films, yeah, like books, films are also incredibly powerful, right? Like um, bring make you cry like a baby and can really teach you very deep lessons when a film's very good, you know? So I'd also mention that. Um, hobbies, like, you know, enjoying hobbies, just having fun, living life, you know? Kind of pretty obvious, but these are small things where I think you, you know, that is going to practically help you become a, a wiser person and be more if your goal is to really kind of push the boundaries and go, I know what this thing is, this enlightenment thing and awakening thing. No one talks about it, you know, or barely anyone. Very interesting. But um, no, it's a beautiful thing. I felt it a bit and I want to kind of play around with that more. All these little things can help, I think, you know, and what are you interested in? What What's fun for you? What do you want to do, you know? So take care of that kind of stuff too. Uh, and yeah, learning skills, like hobbies, if they're challenging also, like um, then it, I think it can also kind of draw your... You really need to pay attention and I don't know, seems good to me. Laughing, ha 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 ha. Laughing, I think is incredibly liberating. Um, so as you know, um, the more you can laugh, probably the better everything's gonna be. And I think, yeah, talk about lifting your vibration, right? Um, and so finally, I would like to mention, exactly, right? So, oh, it's 4.20, I guess. Better finish this uh, podcast. So, thank you, Celestial uh, Inspiration, um, uh, such as it is. And uh, thank you for being here with me uh, now and now, which is might seem like two different nows, but I would say it's the same. Um, and uh, many, uh, many blessings on the path. And um, remember, the path is a beautiful, energetic, energetic uh, treadmill. That kind of sounds you know, like work. I guess what is, it's one of those roly-poly things in the playground. That also sounds like a bit of work. I wasn't a big fan of them. But, um, but uh, enjoying the journey. And uh, I hope this has been uh, interesting and useful for you. Um, and uh, please let me know in the comments if you have questions or comments or anything about this stuff. I'm very interested in all this. I'll definitely read and um, get back to you. And uh, so, yeah, silence is golden. Enjoy your own beautiful presence and uh, you are invited to swan dive deep into the meeting with the mystery. <laughs>